after an extended break, Nick and Ben are back for season 3.5 of our Triumph Pod. How are you, Ben? I'm good, man. We uh, obviously burn out on the colics. Um, yeah, Thomas Kramer would be very disappointed in us. But uh, what are you going to do? We both got uh, rector gigs now. We got no yeah. time for all that study. I honestly don't remember. Have we talked about your new job on the on the pod? I don't know. No, yeah, I think we mentioned I was leaving okay. Birmingham, and so then we just immediately stopped. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you moved to Brooklyn, New York, to serve as the priest in charge at St. John's in Park Slope, doing right. an awesome job based on the internet. So I'm very yeah. excited for your people. The internet, which is always truthful. Yeah, yeah. I, I turned the Our Triune Instagram page into the St. John's pod, so we, hey, uh, you do we you, got a bud. whole lot of followers for free. You do you. No, that's good. <laughs> So we thought, listeners, that because both of us are in a, a season of life where we're preparing another thing in addition to all the other things that we do for work, doesn't seem realistic. What we're going to do uh, most weeks is just talk about what we're preaching about that Sunday. So I'll share a little bit. If I'm preaching that week, Ben will share if he's preaching that week, and we'll just give each other not feedback, but just you know some reactions to- uh, Some hazing. Yeah, some hazing, some light hazing. And, some booing. Uh, for folks who go to Apostles here in Raleigh or St. John's in Park Slope, it might be a cool way to get a little sneak peek on Sunday morning. But Ben, as we have heard from multiple- Or see the illustrations that we bail on. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but as we both know, most people do not care that much about the latter three-fourths of the pod, and they really just want to know about <laughs> what we've been watching or listening to or reading, things that are bringing us joy. So anything, anything for you to share about, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that you say the one I'm not going to say, but um, I, I've really enjoyed some singles from the new national record. Uh, the The album came out on Friday. Uh, it's a little bit different than what they've done in the past. I would say it's a little bit of the Taylor Swiftification of the national. But uh, so at first I didn't really like it because it's, I don't know, just not angsty enough. But I listen to it a little bit more and more. And I'd say I like about half the album maybe a little bit more but because those four singles have been out for a month and a half it's felt like oh well i've mostly caught the stuff i don't really like yeah um, wow but, yeah. you could not have made a less compelling case for me to listen to that album <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean yeah if you've heard the singles you probably heard it already i would i would say check out the one non-single with phoebe bridgers that's uh that's one of the best tracks yeah, I think she's getting too big, too big too soon. I feel like I'm kind of over it. But well, I was hoping you were going to talk about the Boy Genius record because that no, one's a far I don't, better. See, I don't record. really like. I don't really like it that much. I know. Oh, man, I two know. two of those three women. You really? I actually, you like them all. Solo, I, I, right? I, that's the yeah. I think that would be my my point is that I think their solo stuff is better. I think they just got. Well, they got. What does that mean? I think it. Uh, I think they've be, they've become the victim of their own success. Is what I would say. But. We'll see. Maybe the good, maybe the soul. Oh, like I think the record's pretty good. Yeah. I, I think most people. Yeah, I mean, most, pe- most people. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, right. I don't dislike it, dislike it, but I can't divorce it too from the like the press tour and the quote unquote discourse that surrounds it. It's just hard for me to get into it. But uh, yeah, I haven't looked into all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Well, um, I'm. There was no chance you were gonna. We were gonna talk about the same thing because what I have want to talk about, it's given me joy, is the 1979 seven-part 
BBC rendition of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't think I've seen it, but I have heard you can't people see it. speak highly. You it. can't see it. You have to buy it on DVD. I buy. Oh. I bought it on Amazon Prime. You can't stream it. I had to thank buy you, it. Megan Collins, money. I, I yes, it was like fourteen dollars. You know, I bought it okay. used, and I'm just going to return it. You know, <laughs> so you were cool, but uh, I had to find the DVD player. I, like, That's your me, priest, like, the Apostles people. Took That's me, your like, priest. Took me like five tries to find a DVD player. But um, if you've seen the night. 2011 movie with Gary Oldman and Benedict Cumberbatch and Colin Firth. It's pretty good, but the seven part Alec Guinness starring miniseries, I mean, really lets it breathe. And I have, I've read the, the original book by John LeCarre and I've, uh, I've seen the, the 2011 movie like three times. And I was still very confused at points watching the seven part <laughs> miniseries. So I cannot imagine what people are just coming cold or like, but it tells the story of a mole inside the British secret service and a very complicated plot to unearth who the mole is, but it's, it was awesome, dude. I just did not want it to end. And it's like 14 hours long. So my wish practically came true. Did you say you read the book as well? Yeah. Yeah. I actually okay. read the book first, like before I saw the. it was before the 2011 movie came out is when I read the book. And then, you know, so you've had all three iterations and you still had their tales of it. Uh, I mean, no, I liked it, but I mean, I just, it's hard to know what's, it's hard to know what's a flashback. That's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. I sorry. That. Yeah. There's a lot of flashbacks in the, the story. And so sometimes you're watching something you're like, is this happening now? Or did this happen 12 years ago? You know? So, yeah. I, I is that around the time when Brideshead Revisited was made into a miniseries by the BBC? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Before this like current golden age of TV that I guess we've been in for like 15, 20 years. Yeah. So what do you what do you call that? There are a lot of miniseries and they're all British from I think it's the 70s, maybe even early 80s. That were pretty solid. And I guess I've heard of that one. Brideshead Revisited is up there on one of those, like, before The Sopranos, maybe the best show of all time. Oh, wow. I mean, we've talked about our love for 70s movies. Maybe we need to look into 70s miniseries. Yeah, I mean, they only really happened in Britain. That wasn't really... Like, the limited series wasn't a thing in the U.S. until, like, I don't know, the mid-2000s, you know? So I gave, like, a half-hearted recommendation of my album. You're saying full-throated oh i loved amazing. it even if though you, i don't understand it no if you like like spy core you know like my favorite genre then it's uh it's really really good but Friends, anyway man he he loves that genre I really every do. wreck i get including the, the night agent has something to do with that that genre <laughs> the night dude what are your crazy statistic okay this is not pop this is not planned all right so everyone loves succession that is you know in my demographics like i love it whatever yeah uh it's you know it's cool so i think the way that they count uh the way that they quantify streaming popularity is like the number of minutes shows have been watched right um Mm -hmm. and part of the problem is of course like not everyone has max or hbo max and a lot more people have netflix so this is somewhat skewed but succession which you would think if you are live on certain corners of the internet that succession is like the only show on television right I think Succession, uh, like the the number one rated episode was viewed for like 1.3 billion minutes or something like that, which is a lot. You know, it's like top 10. The the most popular show on Netflix right now is The Night Agent. And it's been viewed like 3.6 billion minutes. Like it's more than triple the amount of pop. It's three times more popular 
than Succession. But isn't mm. that crazy? Dude, more people stream reruns of Big Bang Theory on Max than watch Succession. Like, it is just... That, is that, that thing where, like... I, I've been thinking a lot about this because of the Mario Brothers movie, bro. I don't know a single person who's seen the Mario Brothers movie. It's made a billion dollars. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. Yeah. The discrepancy... Honestly, Avatar 2 as well. I don't really know anyone... Oh, I saw it. I saw that I opening saw day. <laughs> I saw it. Of course. <laughs> me, and, me and Cam, shout out to One friend. <laughs> we saw it, dude. We saw it at 9 a.m. on opening day. It was so bizarre. It was like, well, it's 9 a.m. This movie's going to end at 12.30 p.m. Uh, you might as well get some popcorn for breakfast. <laughs> you know, it was wild. Was this that like, like your day off? Or you yeah, just like it wasn't secretly like. Well, yeah. Love it. No, I do think Avatar is cool, but it wasn't because I like couldn't wait. It was more just like, oh, I want to see it. Oh, I, I can see it the day it comes out. That's cool. Well, it's three hours long. I can't really see it at two because I have something going on. We had something going on that night. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I guess we might as well just see it at 9 a.m. and Maybe it was 10. It was definitely before 11. Like, I definitely remember parking in the movie theater thinking, this is so surreal. Like, it's so early in the morning. But And you only paid $7 for your ticket. Awesome. Yeah. No, we have uh, we have, uh, I have the Alamo Pass, dude. It's, it's, you know, unlimited movies. I need to get it back. Well, hey, we probably should just do this for the pop. Maybe we should look into the Bible just to. Yeah, very, just very, very briefly. So you're preaching in John 14, right? That's lectionary. I am the way, the truth, the life. That's right. Um, and as Nick mentioned, I uh, right now I'm preaching every week. I've got two seminarians who are going to come on board. So hopefully I'll get a Sunday off a month and then we'll just mine Nick for what he's preached on. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is uncharted territory for me. Like, do you want to ask me questions or you just want me to like start going on what I'm thinking about talking about? And then you can be like wrong. Yeah, I mean, the latter. I didn't spend any time thinking about the text. Obviously, I've preached on this because of right. lectionary a number of times. But yeah, what do you like? What, what's yeah. I would say, don't right, well, do, like, I don't want like a preview of your sermon. I'm like, what's the big idea? How about that? Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I guess when push comes to shove, I think I would preach this differently if I was still in Birmingham at the Advent than I'm going to preach it here. If I was back in Birmingham, I think I really would jump into like, hey, let's look at the context for this passage, especially that verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life, none shall come to the Father except through me. Because there, that verse always has to do with there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. And don't get me wrong, like I believe in the Lordship of Christ. I believe in evangelism. That's why I do what I do. But really, this passage is is not about that. John 13 through 17 is Jesus' farewell discourse. He's had his last meal with the disciples. He's washed their feet. Judas has left. He's said that Peter's going to deny him. He's going to leave them. And where he's going, they can't come. So this passage starts off with them being like, holy crap, our teacher's leaving. One's turned against him. Our leader is going to mess up. The ground from underneath their feet is shifting. And so he starts off with, do not let your hearts be troubled. This whole passage really is a passage of comfort. And we see that Thomas and Philip get it wrong. Thomas takes them literally, oh, what, give me a roadmap. Which way should we go? And Jesus is like, no, no, I'm the way. Like, look to me. And then Philip also misses it. Like, well, show us God the Father and we'll be satisfied. You don't get it. When you see me, you've seen the Father. And so when he's saying he's the way, the truth, and the life, and this is what I would say at the Advent, is it's really this comfort of, You're not going to see me, but 
don't worry, I'm not abandoning you. I And I am the way. I, I am the thing. So it's not that you can't do work with that, with like, hey, only look to Jesus. And I believe that as well. But the emphasis isn't the opposite of comfort. This is a promise. Mm. I'm the way. I'm with you. Now, here in in, uh, in Brooklyn, I'll probably take a little bit of a different approach. I'll, I'll, I'll take the approach of look to Jesus. Um, we're also skeptical and suspicious, but this is an invitation to believe, mm. to to trust him. Uh, I don't know. I don't, what, do you, what do you think of that? What, yeah. what have you Because, I mean, like we read this all the time at funerals. Totally. All the time, yeah. like, you know, three time, every third year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think I think the... I think to me, the most interesting, what draws me to this pa- in this passage is the distinction. There seems to be this implicit distinction in verses eight and nine of different kinds of knowing. Philip had been around Jesus for three years and had seen him do tons of things and had performed miracles in Jesus's name. He had He had proximity to the physical person of Jesus in a way that is almost unimaginable, but yet Jesus can say to him, you don't know me, Philip, even though I've been around you for a long time. So there is a kind of a knowing that is objective and real, but not salient in the way that Jesus wants us to know him. Right. And I think you can, Mm. and this, I don't think this, what I'm about to say would preach in Brooklyn or something, but you can, you can live a life of service and duty and even devotion in some ways to God and the, the idea of God and the practices of the church, but really miss the main thing, which is knowing him, you know, emotionally and personally. And what that involves, you know, I think Jesus gets into that maybe a little bit later when he talks about the spirit and and doing the, you know, works that he's been doing, all that kind of stuff. But just the, the notion that you can have proximity to Jesus, or in our case, like the proximity to the people of God, people who believe in Jesus, who say the creed, yada, 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 but really not know him. And I think I don't mean, and I don't hope tonally it's not coming across like this. I don't mean to say like, oh, you people think you know the Lord, but you're all Phillips. Like, that's not my point. It's just to be reminded of the centrality of of knowing the Lord and that, you know, that's that's the main thing. So both disciples are obtuse. Philip in this like, hey, I, like, I, I need I need to see something. I like, he just kind of doesn't get it. But but Thomas, on the other hand, it's, it's as if he's like too literal minded. Right, uh, right. All right. Well, you're the way, the truth, and like, how do we know where you're going? How do we know the way where you go and prepare a place for us? And he he views the place as somewhere the like a destination, where as the the place is in the bosom of the Father. It's the beginning of John, right? I I was with the Father in the beginning, and and I am the place. Yeah, the, a person on some level. I think we moderns and our ways of reading scripture we sometimes don't ask the right questions or, or miss the point. And I mean, I think you said it really well. Jesus here is further emphasizing, I'm one in being with the father, know me. Mm. And uh, you can maybe, I mean, it's a little bit scary, but you could probably be in church your whole life and and not really encounter me. I mean, I, I don't really want to emphasize that because I want people to go to church and people in New York don't go to church. Uh, and on the, the flip side, it's like, well, like, Sometimes I just can't let Jesus' mysterious saying just like living in that. I've got to like know exactly what they mean. And yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't really know how I'm going to preach this. It's, it's going to come, <laughs> but um, it but to. I don't think I'm going to lean into that. Like, all right, guys, you think much like um, Thomas and Philip, 
you're kind of missing the point when you're making this text about this exclusive. Jesus really isn't talking about that. What Jesus is talking about is like, know me. Mm. Um, yeah. The ascended life will be with me. I am that place. I am that way. Yeah. He's not trying to define himself over and against other ways to the father as much as he is reinforcing the focus is on him. But yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of nice, right? Because it kind of makes it, it's it's not that it's simple, but it makes it simpler. Mm. We, we We know who to look to. There are just so many choices available to us, so many spiritual ways. And, and I'm not saying that none of those ways make sense in our knowing of Jesus. But instead of uh, this narrowing being a confining thing, it's it's actually, I think, an enlarging and expansive spirituality for us. We know where to look. We don't have we're not like rudderless or just like, oh, my gosh, it's about being with Jesus. As yeah. simple as that like sounds in like an evangelical way, but they got that right. Just hey man, just do your quiet times. Hey church, just do your quiet times. That's, <laughs> that's the right. so that's the so what, as as they say. That's yeah, great. Well, that's all I got. I mean, I, I kind of love to get back to pop culture if we can, but we've probably gone past our time. That's true. All right, guys. Well, we're we're hoping to do this every week, but you know, we might skip a few weeks. So don't hold are, it against are you, us. Are you are you not gonna ask me about my my sermon? Oh, okay. I mean, hey, I want to know your sermon. I, I, I thought maybe you were like, you're done. I'm, I'm Let's get this going. Let's make these an hour now. <laughs> no, I don't want to make Rogan. it long. I actually don't want to do that. I don't, definitely don't want to make it long. Well, Ben, I'm extremely excited for the people of St. John's to hear your sermon on John 14. And listeners, I hope you're glad we're back.